Hello everyone and welcome to Inside the Arena podcast brought to you by Piers Arena. On Inside the Arena podcast, we talk about mental health, well-being and every other issues and challenges we all face in our day-to-day lives. And on each episode, we'll be having a guest on to talk about their own experience with these issues and most importantly, how they are able to navigate and overcome life struggles and challenges. I am your host, Tony, and thank you very much for listening. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Inside the Arena podcast. Um, today we have a familiar face, um, someone who has been on here before. I think um, her episode was one of the most impactful episodes we've had and I got the most review from a lot of people because it's something that actually impacts people's life and which is relationships, specifically uh, with a romantic partner. Well, I'll just have you introduce yourself so the audience can re-familiarize themselves with you and get a sense of the conversation we're going to be having today. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Bumi Odua, and I'm a teacher, I'm an author, and I'm a speaker. I help women, preferably high-achieving women, but I do help women in terms of their relationships, especially women who are waiting for marriage. I help them to wait gracefully, and we can talk a bit about that. Um, I help them to wait gracefully. I help them to enjoy and maximize the seasons that they find themselves in. So making the best of life where they find themselves at that point in time. And I do that in a variety of ways. I do that through my book. I do that through an online program or online learning experience. And I also have a community of women who are waiting for marriage. And so we gather together every month. We talk about different topics. Yes. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the like, I, like I was saying previously, the the episode we had was centered around waiting gracefully. I think yes. the first one we did, and I had a lot of people sending questions, and it was an interactive um, conversation. I would really encourage people to go listen to it. You also talked about your book. I think you were recent. You were just coming out with your book at that time. So, how has that whole experience been for you so far? And how's the book doing? It has been interesting. I, I don't think I realized how much went into publishing a book. I don't think I ever appreciated it until I had to publish my own book. And it was an interesting journey. It pulled things out of me that I didn't even know I had in me because there were diff- there were very there were many moving balls. There were many moving objects. And it was like trying to just keep on top of things. So speaking to a publisher, speaking to a printer, getting a team together that would help when it was time to launch, you know, setting up emails to encourage people to sign up, buy the book, you know, all of that. So there was a lot of that going on and it's been really good. Um, I actually spoke to my publisher yesterday, so I'm getting my first set of royalties, which is like, yay, finally. <laughs> um, but I think I need to perish the idea that authors are extremely wealthy people because you have to be selling loads and loads of books to make the kind of money that I see people doing online. And I'm like, so how are you making money with your books? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's it true. Joy because a lot of people have been sending me messages about how they loved the style of the book. It was very conversational because that's who I am. I like having conversations. Um, It was very conversational. It was very trying to 
be relatable. So seeing it from the perspective of, don't worry, I'm not talking at you. I'm walking with you. So this is a journey where we're doing this together. And it's just helping people to understand that. And then just giving them the tools and the, you know, the knowledge that they needed on the journey to be able to do the things that they needed to do. So yes, it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. And reviews have been coming out um I, I checked. I checked it out a little bit, but I think we'll, we'll talk more about that at, at the later part of the conversation. Sure. Um, well, I'm glad you're having su- you're finding success with your book. I'm glad the royalties are coming in. Um, we'll be expecting ours over here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, good luck and congratulations with that. Um, so previously, um, we. The, the conversation we had earlier on was centered around waiting gracefully, right? Centered around women um, who may be experiencing quote unquote delay, um, which you said may not be delay, might just be um, <clears throat> that they're in a phase where they need to gather some level of experience and 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 so they can better prepare themselves for the journey ahead. Um, so today I was kind of thinking about maybe we'll switch it up a little bit and move a step a little bit step forward from there and talk about um, people who are already in a relationship and are thinking of transitioning into getting engaged and getting married and even um, have a little bit of conversations about newlyweds basically and how to build a strong foundation for marriage. Um, so um, before we actually go into that, I really wanted to ask, so for the sake of people who are just uh, listening to um, this episode and didn't get to listen to the previous one, can you please give us a little bit of background about how, um, what your life um, journey has been and how you transitioned to becoming a relationship teacher? Because I saw that specifically, <laughs> not a relationship coach, but a relationship teacher. And I, I thought that was really, really intentional. So can yes. you just give us a little bit of background? Okay, so I was waiting to get married and that happened for a period of about 10 years. And it was because I actively wanted to get married. I had grown up in a household where I had older siblings who were significantly older. So I saw marriage very early on and I got a sense of what marriage looked like. And so from a very early age, uh, at a very, uh, very early age, I wanted to get married. I knew that I wanted to get married. I wanted to be in a relationship. And then I had buried my head in my teenage years. I had buried my head in all these romance novels. So obviously all I was thinking of is I'm going to meet this dashing man and we're going to have this amazing marriage and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So come into my twenties, that was what was at the back of my mind. And early on, I did meet someone and we got engaged and that didn't work out. And even after that, just the journey of meeting people, interacting with them and hoping that this would translate into a relationship that would lead to marriage. And that didn't happen till I was in my thirties. And it eventually did with a really amazing man. His name is Amechi, by the way. Um, and just that journey. I remember after I got married, I had a coaching session and I remember the coach asked all of us, we was a mastermind. So there were multiple of us on this call. And I remember she asked us, so if money was not your problem, like if you weren't working for money, what would you do? (laughs) You know, the question they always ask you, all these life coaches, they always ask you that question. And without thinking the words popped out of my mouth. I would help single women so that they would not make the same mistakes I made. And, and I was just like, where did that come from? Because at that point in time, I was working as a regulator. I have a degree 
in environmental assessment and management and i was using my degree i was i had you know i had two de- i have two degrees and i was using what i had you know gone to school to study i was using it i was supporting the environment and all of that and so the last thing i was expecting was for that to come out because i had these lofty goals of being like the first black chief executive of the organization I worked for because I live in a predominantly white country, you know, so I had all these grand plans. So the last thing I was expecting to say was that I would help single people. So I just thought, oh, it's a nice thing to do on the side. And I initially started it on the side until I got to a certain point where I became dissatisfied with work. And can I just say that if anybody is feeling a dissatisfaction with work, it is an opportunity to pause and ask yourself, why am I dissatisfied? Because sometimes it's an invitation for a change. It's an invitation for the next thing. More often than not, it is an invitation for the next thing, whatever that next thing looks like for you. For me in particular, because I'm a Christian woman, that next thing was leaving my job. And for me, it was like, that's not the plan. <laughs> you know, I almost was saying to God, um, hello, can you hold off? That's not the plan. But, you know, I did eventually. I remember when he said to me, you're going to leave your job. And then obviously started the journey to transition out of work. So I had my first child and I went on maternity. And over here, you can take maternity for up to a year. So I took maternity for up to a year. And in that year, I just decided I'm not going back to work. And then transitioned into helping women with their relationships, which I had already started doing two years prior before I left my job. Um, And then over time, just, you know, tried different things, you know, online courses. I went and got more coaching for myself, you know, did more learning and more training just to, you know, give myself a sense of if this was something I wanted to do long term. And in the last four to five years, it has been an amazing journey. There have been highs and there have been lows. Let me, I won't say that it has all been pretty but it has been a journey where I have leaned more into me. And, you know, you said about how I wrote the words there, relationship teacher. It was intentional because in the expert industry or the knowledge industry, everybody's very focused on, you have to be a coach. You have to be, and I was just like, I don't know that I want to be a coach. I don't know that the style and the, my unique giftings play to only coaching. I think that they play more to teaching, which is ironic because (laughs) my mother is a professor. So you can technically call my mom a teacher. And I remember for many years, people kept saying to me, I was going to be a teacher like my mom. And I kept saying to them, absolutely not. I am not going to be a teacher. (laughs) Irony of it, here I am as a teacher, although I am teaching on something totally different. So that's my journey. And that's how I got here. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really, really amazing. And I really appreciate the fact of you giving advice to people who may be feeling dissatisfied with um, where they currently are, maybe in their career or other things. And using that as an invitation to adventure, to finding something deep within themselves that they can actually... um, um, how would I put this, that it can actually express to the world, right? Which can be of tremendous help to a lot of individuals and also make a living off it because you talked yes. about your expecting royalties and I'm still going back to that. Like the reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like part of the reason why I I keep going back to that or I want to portray that point is, um, you know, most of the time people don't see the financial value in helping other people right, in using their own story, their experience, or being a symbol for positive change in the society and in the community. It's almost mm-hmm. like 
you're just doing that like how are you going to feed like exactly. um, who's going to take care of xyz and the rest of it but understanding that it can also be monetized and that's one thing that the social media has actually um, had a huge impact in this new um, in, our, in our generation understanding that you can also monetize um your your how would I put this? Your passion and your goal to wanting to help individuals and to yes. put up to put in to put out positive things into the world. You talked about having your 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 coaching sessions that you have people come in and the rest of it. So um I think more of that needs to be out there because for example, um <clears throat> In Nigeria, as you know, we have less than 300 uh, mental health professionals for a population of over 200 million people. And we're projected to hit 350 million people. And, you know, people are not seeing that as a career path um, mm. to become like a psychotherapist or like a psychiatrist or things like that. Because it's like um, Nollywood has done a number on us. It has always been like, um, and society itself, right? It has yes. always been like, yo, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, X, Y, Z. But, you know, going into the humanities, in education and seeing that there's a huge career because uh, you live in the UK, right? You can attest to the amount of money um, psychotherapists they make, um, you know, and and in their private practice and the rest of it. So I think um, encouraging people to see um, not only the humans, the the positive humanitarian side of um, such careers, but also seeing the financial benefit of it is also something we should do more of a, of of we should be focused on and we should do more of justice to in like putting it out there because yeah. if we want to really save our country and we want to get more people into this field and we really want to make um a difference when it comes to mental health and life struggles and challenges we also need to allow people to see that they can have um a very beautiful career in it and yes. they can excel and feed their families and also you know do the rest yes. of the things definitely. that they want to do I in life agree. i definitely agree you can and i don't think i think um having worked with a particular coach two coaches in particular but one of them um her name is Tolu Michaels. And I remember she used to say that passion and profit can sit in the same sentence, that you hmm. can be passionate about the topic, but you can also be profitable in the thing that you're passionate in. That don't think you have to choose one over the other where you're only focused on money or you're only focused on passion. You can actually put both in the same sentence. And that's the gift she gave me on my journey in that you can do this work to help people. You can do this work that is a slightly different message to other um, relationship coaches in terms of people are focused more on the getting married, getting married. And you're saying, enjoy the journey. I'm not saying don't get married, but enjoy the journey till you get there. You've literally almost said, let's turn our gazes slightly to another angle to see the entirety of this process rather than just one part of the process and that you can be rewarded for that. And that's a good thing. And I think that people must come to that point where you are leaning into the thing that you are really passionate about. And even if you can't make some money off it, at least find a means to be able to pay your bills so that that way you don't despise the passion that you have, because that's what tends to happen is if you don't, if you don't make, if you're not making money, if your needs are not being met, you will be distracted from your passion and you want to be able to serve your passion and have your needs met. And then that means, I remember listening, reading a book by Bill Hybels, where he said, if you're not going to 
if you're not going to be able to make money off the passion, maybe, for example, maybe you're a youth worker and they don't pay youth workers a lot of money. Well, are you able to find a job that pays you part-time while you also still do that youth work part-time so that that way you are getting the best of both worlds? And it's really important to identify what that looks like for you so that that way you can live the life that you're supposed to live in whatever season you find yourself. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so moving forward, right? Um, we we've talked about the financial benefit. This conversation has really pivoted, but I'm sure we'll find a way around. We'll find a way back to it. But I also think when it's when you actually um, catch a vibe and yes. um, some like you should actually see it through. We've talked about the financial aspect and the reward part of it, but let's even personalize it to you. You know, there's always this moment whereby you start doing something, you're kind of scared, you're anxious, you don't know if it's going to work out, and you you know, you have all these mixed emotions and, and things going on in your head. But there's always this time where something happens that makes it very, very rewarding. Sometimes it might be a comment somebody just leaves on that post. It might be sort of like somebody coming back to you and telling you, oh, this particular thing I heard, like something beautiful you just said right now, and profit and passion can sit in the same spot. That's something I would take out from this conversation personally, right? So what was that moment for you where you actually realized that, oh, I'm actually making some positive impacts on what I'm doing. And that was like, and it's rewarding. And if I keep going, I'm going to see the real impacts of the of the value I'm putting out into the world in people's lives. So when did that happen for you? It has happened a number of times, but probably even more in the last two to three months, which is ironic because I've been doing this now for quite a few years. Um, the reason I say that is because on the journey, I remember I said that you have highs and you have lows. So some of the highs is when you get, like you said, someone comes back to you and says, guess what? I attended your masterclass. It helped me to see myself in a different light. And I am now married. I've had that conversation multiple times. You know, one of the things that people always used to struggle with was because I used to use the word waiting gracefully. People kept thinking I was saying, don't get married. And I was saying, no, I'm not saying don't get married. I'm saying enjoy the journey to marriage. And I remember even being asked by my coach that were people getting married after following what I had taught? And I said, yes, people are getting married. At least I can account for four or five marriages that I know of in the last two, probably two to three years that have happened. And that does not include the relationships that have come out of it. And the many that haven't even come back to tell me about their stories. You know, there are few that would then send you a message on Instagram saying, I'm so sorry. I should have told you this. I got married a year ago. It was what you were sharing and what you were teaching that really helped me. And I'm like, you should have said this when you got married, you know, but that's it. Yeah. You know, I've had those over the years, but for me, the biggest reward has been who the women have become. Hmm. I was listening to a few of my clients recently. They were talking in different conversations. Um, they were talking about something and just listening to them. I was like, I can't believe this is the same woman. I genuinely, they weren't, they weren't yet married, but there was a shift in their language. There was a shift in their confidence. There was a shift in their boldness that I thought it's only a matter of time before you get married. Like this woman is not the woman that I know from even three years ago. Cause some of them have been with me for two, three years, four years. And I'm just like, you are not the same person. Like there's a joy that literally bubbles up inside of me. And I said, for me, that even has happened more in the last two to three months. 
hearing those conversations, hearing those, hear the, hearing their versions of even their life circumstances, hearing the confidence that they have where they're saying, people are telling me I should do this, but I know what I want. I know where I'm going. I know what God has called me to do. I don't need to settle for what people are telling me to do. And I'm thinking in a predominantly African society where pressure is the norm of the day, <laughs> this is different. <laughs> you know, but yeah. to be a bold like that in such a pressured society shows that the work is happening, that people's lives are being changed. And for me, that is probably the biggest reward. The the getting married is the icing on the cake, but the fact that they are the cake themselves and the change that has happened, that's the biggest reward for me. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's all about perspective. And I like the fact that you're not focusing your perspective on just the end goal, but the journey itself. And that's a reflection of what you're even trying to like, um, you know, preach out to these women. Um, one of the things that you said that really stood out to me just now is um, you said you've gotten more of that in the past two or three months and you've been doing this for a very long time, right? Um I think it's one of the things we actually battle with, right, as individuals in any field whatsoever. Like, it's sometimes it's so hard, it's so difficult to see that result initially, and you kind of give up. You don't actually um, realize that people are actually rooting for you. They may not be leaving comments. They may not be hitting the like buttons. Your um, following might not be growing and all of that things, but you're having real impacts in real people's lives. And people are always constantly waiting for that next advice, for that next tip, for that next content you're going to drop or for that next quote or whatever the case is. I think that can be a battle for us at least sometimes. Like we go in a, a very long time without getting that uh, yeah. sort of like reward or whatever the case is. So understanding that sometimes it takes time and you just have to keep going and really remembering the reason why you chose to do this in the first yeah. place is, is a foundation that can keep us on the right path. And so, it's, yeah. and it's, sorry to cut in. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's ironic that you say that and the fact that I was getting this comments now in the last three, about three to four months. The reason is because in February, I actually almost quit. I almost said I wasn't going to do this anymore because it felt like the results weren't coming through. And that's the thing. When you have, you have to have perspective and your perspective has to be for the long game. So there were two things that happened. There was something that happened in my personal life that just made me think, what's the point of all this extra work if I'm not going to get the kind of results that I, I think I should be seeing? But that was because I was comparing my results to somebody else's results and thinking I was coming up short. And when I shifted my perspective to actually, what is the real result I am trying to get with these women that work with me? I realized that my real result is what I just shared, the woman that she becomes. It has always been the results that I wanted. But in that moment, through whatever it was that was happening in my life, I almost lost sight of that's my real result. That's why I'm here. And so for me, after saying, oh, I quit, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. I remember speaking to um, Tolu Michaels, my coach, and I remember her saying, why don't you take a moment and don't do anything? Like, don't quit. Try something that is not even related to what you're doing. Try, you know, almost like take your gaze from this thing right now. Take a break from it and then come back to it. And I kid you not, it was like as though I came back with deeper focus as soon as I did that. Because I did take about the whole of February 
just completely off, not. So I might have been posting on social media, but that's because I already had content lined up. So it was fine to be posting, but nobody knew that internally I was having to get back to the real reason why I was showing up in the world and why I was doing the work that I was doing. And then as though me being a believer and a woman who believes in God, God felt like I needed to be encouraged. He now started sending me these conversations to say, this is what is happening. Hear them. You know, don't just think it in your head and think, is this really happening? But actually hear them share. It's really funny because I host something called um, Bible study with Bumi on Thursdays, um, Thursday evenings. And a few ladies joined that. And on this particular Bible, this last Bible study, a friend of mine who I've known for years, she's known me since I was probably in secondary school. She's a few years older than I am. She joined the Bible study and she was telling the people on the Bible study all these nice, amazing things about me. And it was like, as though I wasn't sitting there. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? But it was back to the, this is the real thing. This is the real deal. These are the real tangible things that matter. It doesn't mean that money and likes and followers are inconsequential. Those things are nice, but they are not the main thing. And if you focus on those things, you can miss out on the real deal, which is people. people at the end of the day, it is a person that likes your post. At the end of the day, that following is human beings, unless you're obviously signing to bots and things like that. But if you're really doing this organically, it is human beings that end up being that following. So you need to just put your head down. If you are feeling despondent, and maybe I should encourage somebody because obviously I've now been mm -hmm. that journey. If you're feeling despondent, if you're looking at the results and you're thinking it's not working, how about you take a break? It's okay to take a break. Take a moment to get back to the reason why you started the journey in the first place and then see whether or not the reason it isn't working is because you are comparing your own journey to another person's, which you shouldn't do. You should always just be focused on your own journey. You're either comparing yourself to somebody else's journey. You are not doing it the way that needs to connect with the people that you want to reach because even that in itself can stop your results. You know, you're not sharing this in the way that, or you're not even leaning authentically into who you really are. Remember I said, I use the word teacher now rather than coach because I'm more a teacher than a coach. It doesn't mean I don't coach you at the end of my teaching. You kind of get the best of both worlds, but I am sticking and leaning into who I am as a teacher. And that's really important. Even in relationships, when you, when you get into a relationship, you should be showing up authentically as yourself, not as somebody that you are trying to be because you've seen that your friend and her man are in a relationship and this is how their own, you know, the more we do these things, the less authentic we are and the less we enjoy where we are and what we're supposed to be having. So it's really yeah. important to, you know, think of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I really, really agree with that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, now let's get back to the main reason <laughs> why we are here. <laughs> and because, because I'm very sure like, you know, conversations like this, when somebody sees, oh, this is a conversation about relationships and whatnot, and they get into it and like, oh, wait, what are they saying here? <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, we're going to get back to it. You've talked about how you're proud of the of the development process of these women. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, but sometimes when they do get into relationships, you know, um, just like you talked about, you've always fantasized about getting married and then the hard reality actually hit you, like with interaction with people and you even said you got engaged and that didn't work out and the rest of it. So, you know, sometimes we can feel we are prepared, right? We can feel we've done the work and everything. And then reality is like, hey, hey, are you still here? <laughs> Like like the favorite the, the famous quote from Mike Tyson, like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yep. So um I'm saying that because um what are the common challenges you've actually seen, right? From women actually transitioning from that, enjoying the process, waiting gracefully, and when they are getting into a relationship and when like reality hits them. What what are what are some of the common challenges you've actually um experienced in this process? Um I think one of the common ones is the fact that expectations aren't being met. So people say to you, oh, I expected her to be like this. I expected him to be like this. I expected the marriage to look like this. And when that doesn't happen, people are sad. People question whether or not they're with the right person and whether or not this is the relationship that they're meant to be in. So that's one of the things that tends to come up. Also, as much as we are preparing, even on this journey to marriage, you know, the rubber doesn't fully hit the road until you are in the relationship. You can prepare and there is a lot of preparing to do in advance of the relationship. But then you have to remember that when you come into that relationship, you are interacting with another human being. Another human being that is their own person that has their own preferences, that has their own expectations, that has their own way of doing things. And, you know, coming into the relationship, one of the things that then throws people is that I thought we would just know. We would just combine and it would just, you know, align itself. But it doesn't. And the reason is because most people aren't intentional in the joining together. Hmm. Most people just assume a lot of things. I assume that when I get married, I will know how to take care of children. Really? I wish it was that simple. I wish it was just, oh, get pregnant, have a baby, pop the baby out, and then I'll know how to look after a baby. The truth is that it doesn't work like that. Everything is supposed to be line after line. And there is a place for preparation, but there is also a place for intentionality. And many times people aren't intentional. So first of all, sometimes people have even waited, but they didn't prepare. They did all the other things, but then didn't think about what that marriage would look like for them. They didn't think about what that unit, what their own personal unit would look like. What, what their family dynamics and family values would be. They don't think about those things. And then they come into marriage and then things are happening. And then, you know, if you come into a relationship and into your marriage and you come into it with your background without almost like thinking of your own relationship in light of the background that you're coming from, you are likely to face challenges. Part of the reason we face challenges is because we have all been programmed by where we are coming from. We have, whether we accept it or not, our parents have said things to us. Our parents have shown things to us. Our friends have said things to us. Our friends have shown things to us. And the society in a general sense, whether it is through social media or general media, is already giving us all these other messaging. So imagine bringing all of that into your relationship without filtering it and saying, actually, does this work for me? 
Does this work for me and the person that is in front of me? So those are the kind of challenges that come up where we're not consciously now taking a step-by-step approach to the relationship that we're getting ourselves into. But the, probably the one of the biggest ones is a lack of preparation and unmet expectations. When people don't do these two in particular, you know, if you overcome these two, the other things are easier because you know you're not in a better place. If a lack of preparation, if you have a knowledge gap when it comes to communicating and the fact that communication is almost 7% verbal and the rest is non-verbal. If you come into communicate, if you come into conversations with people and you're trying to communicate with the person you're in a relationship with, so you're saying one thing with your mouth, but your body language is saying something entirely different. You are going to have challenges. This is why sometimes you hear the man saying she's disrespectful. And she's like, but I never said anything disrespectful. He's like, you didn't have to say it. It showed all over your face. So these are the kind of things that can act as challenges in that transition. And it's obviously knowing what to do. Knowing even the source of your, for example, knowing the source of your expectations, knowing what expectation, you know, let's even go one step behind. What are your expectations? Just Mm -hmm. sometimes we never even say it. We just think it in our head, but we never communicate it to the other person. I know that because in, even in my journey to marriage, my husband and I had expectations. And even though we had a lot of conversations, there were still expectations that we never voiced out. Until we got married and then things were happening. We were like, well, why aren't you doing this? And he's like, well, you didn't say. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and many people have the same thing. He didn't say, she said, oh, this is what I did. This This isn't what she did. All of that. So, yes. You know, sometimes we know certain things, right? But... Um, having it being articulated to us kind of like, you know, wakes us up like that tap on the shoulder. Like when you said um, the communication itself, the verbal part is like 7% and the majority of it is how you're acting and how you're interacting with that person. You know, even me, myself, I'm guilty of this because sometimes I feel like, but I said the thing and (laughs) (laughs) and and you know, I'm saying it, you should like believe me or whatnot but i constantly get that pushback is how you're saying it is is when i try to do certain things and you're not actually acting in like in accordance with what you've said previously and i think that's really really important i think especially for men because sometimes we feel like like going back to the way society has programmed us and where we're coming from or whatnot you know fundamentally is like uh men is like oh i don't express my feelings so if I express my feelings to you, it means I sincerely and genuinely love you. Okay, I've heard. But act in accordance is, is another thing. <laughs> it's another thing. It's like, as long as I am, you know, providing, you know, I'm trying to make sure we are feeding and whatnot. And it's true. All of those things are true. But it's the emotional acts, um, absence that may be there sometimes as she's trying to communicate to you. Because I'm constantly having this problem myself, right? Because I feel like there are some fundamental things, like as a man, you're supposed to like focus all your energy on, you know? Yes. You know, and once those things are, once you are doing this for this person, this person is supposed to interpret it as the ultimate sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? But that is accepted. I'm not saying that is not true, but I'm still saying there's still space for vulnerability and there's still yes. space for um, communication and there's still space for understanding that, 
just as you have your own beliefs and your systems or whatnot, this other person also has theirs, which is what you were talking about the other time. It's like, no matter how we want to deny it, our, our backgrounds, our upbringings, um, our friendship, our previous relationships, yes. and the rest of it has shaped us in a certain type of way that may be alien to the new uh-huh. partner we were with. So yeah. it's like understanding these little things. And, you know, I had a, a joke and this lady was like, one of the greatest things women do for men is like, they are constantly training us for our next partner. So women <laughs> should be working. <laughs> and it's true. It's like, yep. it's like, it's like women should be, you know, dabbing themselves up when they see themselves on, on the road. And when they find this wonderful, amazing man, they shouldn't just think like they hit the jackpot or feel like, oh, he's doing all of this for me. They should actually realize that he has actually gone through like several relationships that he had had to be a better communicator. Yes. He has had to find a goal in his life because so, they like sometimes they, you're in a relationship and it's because you're not a better communicator and you lose that relationship and you understand that going into this next relationship, I have to do better. Yes. You know, sometimes it's like you weren't focused on your life goals and you weren't like, you know, being like, I don't know how to put that. And this lady is telling you like, you should do more. Like you're not living up to yeah. your potential and whatnot. And she abandons that relationship or something goes wrong. And you go into the next relationship, you're like, okay, I'm not going to go into this relationship until I have certain things fixed in my life and the rest of it. So if I'm being honest, that is true. Like the way she said it, I'm like, okay, yes, I think we need to appreciate more women because I'm looking back at some of the previous relationships I've had in my life and I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. I'm in a much better place right now. And that was because somebody else called out my bullshit. And if we're being honest. So yeah, moving forward, um, um, I'd like to ask, in your experience, what milestones and, um, you know, discussions should couples prioritize in this stage in order to build, like, the strong foundation we're talking about? There are quite a few things that um, you can talk about, but I almost say group them. So, you know, I have a list, and I, I'll, I'll read it out because I, I tend to have lists anyway. I have a list of the areas of your life. And then remember we talked about expectations and what expectations do you have? And the fact that unmet expectations can cause issues and challenges in relationships. You have to think of the areas of your life in terms of your spirituality or lack thereof. If you don't have spirituality, you have to think of it from the place of personal development, character development, and you as just you as a person, then think about your spouse. Think about your family and friend relationships. So I tend to group those together. Think I'm th- telling you, think of the different areas of your life because those all those areas will play themselves out in your relationship at some point. One way or the other, they will. So think about spirituality, personal development, your significant other or your spouse, your family and friend relationships, your work, that's either your career, your business or ministry, depending on which path you're following in life your health and wellness, your emotional and mental health, your money and finances, and then fun and recreation. I tend to always group this for my clients, that these are key areas of our lives. Everything else sits under one of these 10 areas. So when it comes to transitioning, before you ever even get into a relationship, you must understand these areas of your life and understand what you want for those areas because if you come into the relationship not knowing it 
you can go with the flow for a while and you can go with it for a long time. But eventually, because we are human and there is a part of us, our soul always needs its own expression. Eventually, no matter how long you flow with somebody else's expectations for a particular area of your life, eventually you will build resentment. Eventually you will dig in your heels and say, actually, this does not feel right. And you want to be sure that before you get into a relationship, you understand what these areas of your own life would look like. Then when you get, when you're transitioning into the relationship, you want to be having conversations to get a sense of what these areas look like for the other person. Because when you do that, it even helps you to decide if this is somebody you want to go long-term with. If, for example, I always give this example. If, for example, I'm a woman and God has said I'm called to work in somewhere like the World Bank, I meet a really nice guy. He wears an Armani suit, drives a flashy car and all of that. But guess what? He wants a stay-at-home wife. <laughs> he wants a woman that's not never going to go to work. A woman that's going to... Her only job in life is to run his house and look after his children. In the area of my life that has to do with work and career and purpose and expression... Can you see that I'm already misaligned with him? Yeah. Even though he might tick all my other boxes, the areas that really matter, we are not aligned. That's why I said, before you even get into the relationship, you have to understand these particular areas. If you then understand these particular areas, you can then begin to have conversations that help. And you, when you start dating, dating is a fact-finding mission. Because it's helping you to make a decision. Let me, let's be honest. Let's be practical here. Yes. At the end of the day, there is only so far that love and feelings will take you. The day-to-day mm. -day will happen. The feelings will fade. So you want to be sure that the decision that you made to be with this person is a decision that aligns with every area of your life. It's why, you know, even in my book and in my programs, I talk about something. I say to the women, there's something called a king blueprint. A blueprint for a building helps you to know where everything is. It gives you, it, no, it tells you the plan. When you have a blueprint for the future spouse that you are looking to be with, you have an idea of what you're looking for so that when you meet someone, it's almost like an invisible checklist is going on in your head because your blueprint already tells you that for you, laughter is a big deal. Then you meet a guy that's always serious and never laughs. If laughter is a big deal for you, you can't be with somebody that never laughs. You are going to be frustrated eventually. At some point, you are going to be frustrated. So when you're dating, dating becomes a fact-finding mission. A mission on, does this person align with what I want? And the man is doing exactly the same thing. Because nobody goes into a relationship just with any random human being. You literally have something that you're working through in your mind that actually I want this, this, and this in the relationship that I, I want to be in. So for example, a man can say, I want a home where there is peace. Then he meets a woman that's always dramatic. <laughs> Are they going to, they can't walk together because they literally are not aligned. He wants peace. The girl is always having drama. She's fighting with everybody and anybody. <laughs> can you see that eventually nothing is going to click even if they click in terms of they are sexually attracted to each other even if they click in terms of they're from the same backgrounds but a fundamental for him is peace in his home and she doesn't bring that 
So you need to do that so that when you're transitioning, you're you are doing these checks, you're doing these balances in your head to see. And then you are having conversations. And please, we are adults. Have adult conversations. This is not the time to shy away, especially if you're going into a relationship where you eventually want to settle down with the person. Have adult conversations. What is important to you? Where are you going in life? What would you like to achieve in the next five years? And even if he doesn't know, does he have a sense of he's even a person that is teachable enough that he will start to think about it? What is important to you? What is your family background like? How did you grow up? What does sex mean for you? What does money mean to you? How does life look for you when you don't have money? These are fundamentals. Because if you have these conversations and you talk about these things, you know, when we're coming together in a relationship, remember I talked about expectations. I have my expectations. You have your expectations. Part of our discussion is, are our expectations so far apart from each other that they can never meet? Or can our expectations have a middle ground? And determining the type of relationship that we want will determine where the expectations sit. If, for example, my expectations were shaped by social media influencers and I just want to live a fast life and a luxurious life. But the guy is like, look, I can afford the basics of life and I'm looking to live a good and satisfied life long term. But I'm not going to give you a fast and luxurious life today. He has high expectations. He has his expectations. Conversations will then help you to determine if those expectations can meet somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're also using that opportunity to see how the person, part of your transition is seeing the person in certain settings, seeing them amongst their friends, seeing them amongst their family. Because if you see a person and how they treat their family, it will tell you how they will treat you. You will have an idea of how they're going to treat you based on what you have seen. Because remember that whatever people show you, believe them. That's who they are day to day. And even if they were pretending, I remember there was this guy I was dating a long time ago now. And I rem- I'll never forget his words to me. People can only pretend for so long. Eventually their true self still shows itself. So part of your transition is paying attention, not just with your ears, but with your eyes. So that you're fully present in the thing that is happening. And even all of this still keeps happening when you get married. Because remember that you are two different individuals from two different houses who grew up with two different experiences. There are things that even as you get married, things will begin to, you know, shape themselves, show themselves. And then you, over time, you find your balance. But you find your balance in light of your own unit, not in light of what your parents said your unit should look like. Or what your pastor in church said your unit should look like. In light of your own unit. And that's why conversations are important. What are our family values? This is for newlyweds. What are your family values? Have you talked about what you want your family values to look like? Have you talked about what you want your parenting to look like? Because imagine if your own parenting you, you want to be the soft, a soft parent. The other one is like, no, my parents caned me when I was young. I'm going to cane my children. Well, in 2023, you don't necessarily need to cane children for them to be you know, for them to be disciplined, but that's an aside. Um, the point is even for newlyweds, the journey to your marriage and then the journey after is a continuous conversation. Anything that you now notice that is new, talk about it. Oh, we had this issue and what it showed me was this. What do you think? 
How do you think we can make adjustments? The more we do this, the more we will have thriving relationships. Many times we go into relationships with a lot of assumptions and very little talking. And even when we talk, we talk at people. We don't listen to what they have to say in light of the units that we are trying to build. Yeah, duty, duty has charged. Sometimes I talk <laughs> at people, <laughs> especially, especially in relationships. I'm learning though. I'm learning. I, I would say that. Um, because it's always, I think it's always very, very important for us to be honest, especially in conversations like this, because I think sometimes people get the wrong picture that people who are maybe having this type of conversations in public have, quote unquote, like a perfect life or they've attained um, enlightenment or something. But it's, 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 I say this, this podcast is an extension of my curiosity, right? For me to better educate myself and, and you know, in the pursuit of being a better person. Um, you talked about understanding shared values and understanding expectations and, and you know, having setting checklists in your head that you should um, always prioritize so as not to get into or just to get into relationships that you may want to run out of, you know, the next minute or in the next couple of months or years or something. Uh, but is, is, is there, is there a space for, you know, individuals with different, from different backgrounds, with different perspective, having or finding that middle ground? And, you know, have you seen a situation where that is the case and they have sort of like a successful union? Like, I don't know, because sometimes, you know, people might be discouraged to be like, okay, you're a woman of faith, like you rightly pointed out. You know, somebody might be in a rough state or they've known a certain type of life for so long, but, you know, they might be blessed to have a wonderful woman or a wonderful man come into their life, you know, mm. and help them, you know, make them see better, you know. Um, and and, it, and that, that process is usually painful because it takes a lot yes. for, when you realize that there, there's so much part of you that needs to go, and needs to burn away. That is sort of like the most painful experience because you constantly want to hold on to that comfort, to that thing. You know, people, I, I always say something that I can be with anybody in a relationship, but I can't be with somebody who's proud of their inadequacies, right? Because sometimes we know and we always revert to this thing like, well, this is how I am. This is how I've always been, mm. right? And I'm like, okay, but you know that is not right. But whenever you're trying to like, you know, like have a logical conversation about what you're doing and how wrong it is. They revert to, this is how I am. This is how I've always been. Mm. And I'm like, yes, I get it. But we need to like move past this. Like that's why we're having yes. this conversation. We need to realize that this is not the way and that there's a better way of doing things. So my point is, getting back to the original question is, you know, people can be so far apart sometimes. And sometimes finding each other might be just what they need to move each other's lives forward. So do you think there's a space for that? And can we talk about how painful that process would most likely be for those individuals and what they should actually, you know, um, what they should actually think about when they're in that process or going into that process? Yeah. It, is there a space for it? The answer is yes. There's nothing impossible under the sun. You, you, you see relationships of people who are from totally different backgrounds and they make it work. But sometimes what they don't tell you is the cost to make it work. The cost to people's ego, the cost to people's pride, the cost to wanting to do things in a specific way when there can be a better way. There is usually a price attached to people bringing, even when you are from similar, similar backgrounds, there is still a price to pay of emerging of lives. 
even when you are both different in personalities, there is a middle ground where you can both be because a difference in personality isn't necessarily a bad thing because if you come together and play to each other's strengths and then have shared goals, shared values and shared interests, those are three key things that must already be there. If you have those three things anyway, you can play to each other's strengths, but you have to be able to see together. It's why, you know, it's almost like you have to be able to say, okay, you're different. I'm different. And this is something that is real. My husband and I are fundamentally different. Like we're so different that it was one of the initial struggles we had as a couple because we're so different, you know, but eventually, first of all, there has to be a place of acceptance of that difference. And that that difference is a gift to the relationship, not a burden. If you know, if you think of it from that perspective, that this is a gift, this is how this person is wired. And actually it plays out in our, you know, it plays out in our relationship for good. You are more likely to benefit from it. You are more likely to benefit from that difference. And a difference of background can either be a blessing or a curse, depending on the people. It always comes back to the people. Is my background going to be a blessing or a curse to this relationship? You grew up in a single household, a single parent household. That can be a blessing and a curse, depending on the way that you choose to spin it. And it's up to each person to decide that. Depending on, obviously, what you also want for the relationship that you're in. If you know that you want to make your relationship work, you can take that, whatever seems like a negative to somebody else, and still spin it into a positive. It is not impossible for two people from different backgrounds to come together and have a great relationship. But there will be a price to pay, and they must already have shared values, shared goals, and shared interests. Because those are the things that make relationships work anyway. Those are the things that make relationships work. And then there must be a willingness to make the relationship work. And I don't mean sign up for punishment. It's different. <laughs> Nobody's a pet project. Everybody is a human being. Each human being mm -hmm. has to decide if they want to be a better person or not. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes women, we're very guilty of this. We see a man and he becomes our pet project. I want to change him. Here's the truth. You cannot change anybody unless the person wants to change in themselves. Because there's mm -hmm. only so much and so only so long by which you can carry that person before eventually you will get tired. You are human. You will get tired. And you will get tired of carrying their excesses. You will get tired. You, 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 this is conversations that women have that we don't necessarily sometimes even post on social media. Women that are in marriages where the man showed them from the very beginning that he was irresponsible. Hmm. But they were like, oh no, I want to be in a relationship so badly. It's okay. I'll bear the responsibility. <laughs> and then they are now in the marriage two years, three years. You know, there's something that a friend shared with me that I was sharing with um, a group of women recently. And it was that don't start what you cannot continue and not complain about. Don't start something that you will not do long-term and not complain about. If you know you will eventually complain. And you know, sometimes we wear rose tinted. Like, oh, I won't complain. But the truth is, can you do this long-term? Can you do this for the next 5, 10, 15 years? You know, when women come to me and they say, well, I'm not sure there's this quality about the man. I'm not sure about it. The question I always have to them is, 
if he never changes and this thing stays like this, can you cope with this long term? And, you know, I don't think people tend to ask themselves that question. So when they come to me and I ask them that, that question, it's, yes, it's a closed question, but it's a very direct question. Can you handle this long term? It's a yes or no. Because most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, can't handle certain things. But is it possible to see someone from a different background and draw, come together? Yes. My husband is from a totally different background, totally different culture to me, totally different background and upbringing to me. But the reason why we're making it work is because we're taking time to sit and look at our own unit and we already have shared values. We already have shared goals. We already have shared interests. Now we're now looking at it and saying, okay, so this thing that we've seen, that's a difference between the two of us. How can we make it work? Whose own probably is even better. Or is there even a neutral way that will work for both of us? Because sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean I have to follow his way or he has to follow my way we can find a new way you know it, this happened for us like with christmas celebrations he was used to having loads of family members and you know big family christmases i was used to having nuclear family christmases we're coming from two different places and we said you know what instead of this thing becoming an issue what would work best for us can we create our own new family christmas traditions it's a simple example, but it's an example where we forget that side. I forget that side. What works for this one today, here and now and going forward? So that that way we now say, okay, fine. Maybe this year we'll spend it with your family. Next year we'll spend it with her family. And the year after we will do something just for us and our kids. You are suddenly creating new things. And with relationships, whether you are from different backgrounds or even from similar backgrounds, the whole essence is to create something for your unit. I keep saying it, it's your unit. Yes, there are influences from your parents and all these other people. But at the end of the day, you are the one living in the reality of that relationship. Make it work for you, not based on what other people have told you. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Um, you talked about um, um, sometimes women know maybe this man is not responsible, quote unquote, and maybe he knows this lady is not responsible or whatever the case is. Um, I, I, wanna, I want us to dive deeper into the issue of trust because we've talked about communication and how important communication is. And you've actually given a very, very important insight that maybe we need to think about communication from not just what we say verbally, but how we're expressing ourselves around people we are in relationships with. You know, trust can be a tricky thing sometimes. When we say trust, we basically think some, sometimes think about infidelity. That's what majorly comes to mind when we say trust. But sometimes trusting somebody is actually knowing that they will be there in your most vulnerable moments. When, you know, trusting somebody might mean um, not even they're not going to steal from you, but they're not going to, um, like, you trust them in this in this phase of you becoming a different and a better human being that are not going to hold certain things over your head, right? Because, you know, sometimes I used to be very responsible of this where it seems like um, setting down times of my partner is something I highlight when I want to make certain points. And I realized that this thing was slowly killing this person, like slowly killing them. And they didn't have a way of expressing it because what I was saying at that particular time 
was maybe right, right? Maybe I'm trying to point out something you did. And it's fine. We should focus on that. But trying to bring back majority of your, you know, low lights and using it as an example and, you know, that's that's what creates a lot of resentment, like you rightly say. So, but in the issue of trust, not looking at trust from just the financial aspect or um, infidelity or whatnot, how would you best define trust in a relationship, and how can couples actually build trust? So, trust is about reliability, and trust is about how a person consistently shows up, and you being able to believe that they will keep showing up like that. That's what trust is. Trust is about your belief in a person's ability to be able to do something or their ability to be able to show up in a particular way. And so when we build, trust is built over time because people show us themselves over time. If you're meeting someone for the first time and you're just coming into the relationship at the start of things, at the end of the day, you can't just trust them from day one. They haven't shown you anything to believe about them yet. So trust in relationships starts by how people are consistently showing of themselves. Now, if you are coming fresh into a relationship, you have to see what a person is able to do based on what they have said, but also on what they are doing. That's what then you then decide whether you give tr- give them that trust, you know, that you then put that trust in them. But you can't just say, oh, I trust my partner just because he's my partner. No, I trust my partner because my partner has shown certain qualities and certain consistent behaviors. That's what has built my trust. And the thing is vice versa as well. They've built trust in me based on how I have behaved, what I have said, and how I have either kept my word or haven't kept my word. Trust can be built and it should be built. It's really important to build trust. And as you build trust, you give people room. You give them grace to sometimes fall down and pick themselves back up. The problem is when they are constantly falling and they never pick themselves up, then really should you be putting your belief, a positive belief in that person or in that behavior. And that's why, you know, even if you talk about infidelity, money, all of those things, it also comes down to what I choose. You know, I can choose to trust you and I can choose not to trust you. But that the trust that I place in you is based on my interaction with you and it's based on how you have shown yourself to me. If I'm an employer and you consistently show yourself as a high flyer on my team, I will trust you to be enough to be able to even give you more responsibility to promote you to the next level in the car- in your career path in, in the organization. But if you consistently show me poor behavior, I will also believe what you have shown me. And that applies whether you are an employer or you are in a relationship. So trust is something that can be built. It's also something that can be broken. But it gets broken when people, when we have placed certain beliefs about people. And I think that sometimes we trust too easily. 
we give, you know, because when we get into relationships, we have this whole mentality of give, thinking the best about the person. And you should always think good of people. Don't get me wrong. But you should also try and pay attention to how a person consistently behaves. Because that's what's helping you to build trust in them. If they are not behaving in a way that works for you, then why are you trusting them? And it's a question people tend to ask. A woman says, oh, he's always cheating. Or the man says she's always spending money. If she's consistently, then why do you keep trusting her with your bank card? Why do you keep handing her this thing that you know she has proved is not, she's not consistently good with? Trust is a, is a belief, but it's a belief that you hold and you then give onto people. And you must consciously think of that. But you must also ensure that where trust is broken, you don't let that influence how you treat other people because those people are not the person that broke your trust. And you must ensure that you don't belittle people, you don't, you don't hurt people, you don't treat people badly because someone else broke your trust. It's a, it's a learning path that most of us need to go on where we are mm -hmm. able to objectively realize that the trust that was broken was broken in a certain circumstance with a certain person, not with everybody else. It's why the statement, all men cheat, does not make sense. Because mm -hmm. was it all men that cheated on you? <laughs> or was it a particular person that cheated on you? Or all women are gold diggers? Was it all, is it all women that are gold diggers? Are you telling me that in the world that we're living in, every single woman, can you see how those blanket statements don't help? No. You must be objective enough to say, okay, actually, no, maybe it was my poor decision making that attracted me to people who are cheats. Maybe it's what I had experienced, you know, whatever it is. And maybe it is just on this person. That person is just badly behaved. But everybody else is not badly behaved and it's okay. And I'm going to still show up as a person of worth, a person who is trusted, who is kind, who believes good in people, irrespective of whether somebody broke my trust or not. Yeah. You know, um, the reality of that is, <clears throat> the reality of those blank statements of like, all women are gold diggers, all men cheat, or whatever the case is, is, an, is a cover for us not to admit our shortcomings in relationships. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you have a terrible experience in said relationship and you don't want to acknowledge how the role you played yes. in that relationship not turning out right. So you just basically said, even if I did everything right, all men still cheat. There was nothing I would have done differently or whatnot. Like, you know, it's, it's the same thing I talk about. I don't have, like, I can deal with anybody except people who don't want to see that, oh, maybe I may be making a mistake. Even if you don't know what that mistake is, you know, you know, if, if we just say there is a problem in the world, right? We just outsource it out. There's a problem like the world, there's a problem in the world. Agreed. But that's, that admission simply means I have no role to play in it and there's nothing I can do. So I might as well just, you know, like, like, don't, don't make any effort at all. Don't try to do better. Don't try to be a better person. Don't try to, like, go into the next relationship understanding, taking lessons 
and understanding the mistakes I've made in this previous one so as not to repeat them, right? So I think, I think a lot of people understand this reality when they are, you know, in their rooms, you know, late at night and they want to go to bed. They understand it. But it's that, it's that fear, it's that ego that is still alive in them that doesn't want to, you know, let go of the fact that they had no, like, they didn't contribute in any way, shape or form into whatever is playing out in their own lives. And I think until we start to take that responsibility personally, that's when we become better people. And that's most importantly, when we attract better people, I think that needs to be said. We do attract better people. The more we improve ourselves, the more likely we are to recognize better quality people because the world is full of different kinds of people. And as you go on a journey, you know, is that sentence of, if you know, better you do better if you know what better looks like then you begin to recognize better and begin to even be drawn to the better version of of people of things of experiences it applies to every single area of our lives and you know in my book waiting gracefully i actually talk about um something i call i coined it it was a phrase i called the cvf constant variable factor that you are the CVF in all your experiences. You are the constant. But you are also variable in terms of you can either go forward or you can go backwards. And you have, the word factor is something that has the ability to affect something. So if you change, your experiences will change. If you change for the better, your experiences will change for the better. If you stay the same, your experiences will stay the same. If you regress, your experiences will regress. That's why you must consciously be aware that everything in life that's happening, you are the constant in all of your experiences. And so you need to check where you have done well. Tell yourself, well done. You know, one of the things we don't even say often enough to ourselves is well done. But you need to be able to say to yourself, well done. You need to be able to say to yourself, you did good in this situation. You know, I was saying to my friends that if nobody pats me on the back, I pat myself regularly on the back. Not because I'm trying to be proud, but so that that way, nobody, I can't be bowing myself to the applause of men all the time. If I validate myself, I don't need external validation. And I'm less likely to be on a slippery slope when I don't get external validation. It's something that I'm growing in. And then when I haven't done well, I tell myself, Bumi, you didn't do well. You could have done better here. You could have made changes here, even down to even interacting with my children. If I snap at my daughter and I catch myself, I am going to apologize to her because I should have done better. I'm the older person and the one who has more wisdom and knowledge. I should know better. She's a five-year-old. So I should know that I should, in that situation, I could have been in more control of my emotions. And you know, it's down to the fact that if, for example, I'm interacting with her, but I know I'm tired. If I can feel myself building up to being annoyed, I can't step away. My five-year-old does not know that she needs to step away. She hasn't grown to that point. But at the end of the day, the experience that happens is not just her experience. It's also my experience. And I'm the constant variable factor that determines how those experiences happen going forward. So it's really important that as human beings, we recognize the parts that we play in the things that happen to us, in the way that our relationships play out, because we have a lot that is within our control. 
You know, many times we focus on the things that are not within our control and abdicate a lot of that responsibility to that part of life. But the truth is that we have the ability to focus on what is within our control and stay there. Yeah. Um, Going back to going back to interactions with like your daughter, you just pointed out, I think one of the most profound things I actually heard um, when it comes to interacting with young people is, you know, you know, older people are always like, don't let beauty and youth be wasted on you like you're young. But we fail to realize that we shouldn't also let knowledge and experience be wasted on us also as we get older. So it's like that's 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 the the perfect um, um, correlation where you said she doesn't know she needs to step away. You have to realize that you need to step away because you're feeling tired and you're feeling irritable. I think that's something you know. Sometimes we don't actually realize those things that is playing out right in our very face. Sometimes a younger person might be totally wrong, but our reaction to that thing might be even is even worse like it's worse because we should know better yeah so i just i just wanted to acknowledge that so you you initially talked about um how you were in the regulatory space and how you actually um left that career to focus on this one you have right now being a relationship teacher and helping you know countless of women around um around the world basically because there are a bunch of different women on your platforms not just africans and 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 yeah so um how should um couples navigate the challenges and opportunities of personal growth you know i said that at some point i said you have to you have to talk about the expectations you have in different areas one of them being personal development when it comes to personal development sometimes what can happen is both people can be growing at a similar pace or people can be going at very different paces or some people, one is growing and the other is not growing at all. When it comes to when you're growing at similar paces, life is easy. Life is good because you're both at similar paces. You are, you know, you're learning the same things. You're both big on those kind of things where you're at slightly different paces. The thing that I think is really important is to give grace, especially for the person who is further ahead. You have to give grace to the person who isn't where you are yet. And that's on you, not on them. At the end of the day, you are the one who's further ahead, who knows what needs to happen. And you must be willing and able to say, you are not there yet and it's okay. You know, part of being in a relationship is also helping people along. So helping them in ways, for example, sometimes if I want my husband to hear something and I know that if I try to get him to maybe join a particular course with me, he won't join. So... I might instead play the course out loud so we can both hear it. It's a stylish way of getting him to hear it, but it's, I've got the point across. Sometimes I directly send him the things. I say, here you go. But I also don't put him under pressure to respond. Mm-hmm. I had to learn this because I'm a teacher, remember? So a, a lot of my work, I have to learn. And I'm usually learning at a much faster pace than him. He's learning as well, but also he's also recognizing how he learns and how I learn. And that because we are different in that regard, I'm not going to put him under pressure to learn the way that I'm learning. You know, one of the biggest challenges for us sometimes, especially as women, is we're used to doing things in a certain way. We expect the man to do it exactly the same way. But 
is it about him doing it the exact way you are doing it or is it about him growing? Because the two are not the same. You can have him doing exactly the same thing, but he's not growing at all. And he applies the, vice versa. Is it, is it about her doing things exactly the way that you're doing it? Or is it about her growing? And you know, you have to make your peace with the pace at which people are moving. It's like me driving on the road and expecting everybody on the road to drive at exactly the same speed that I'm driving. Some days I'm going to meet the 80-year-old woman who does not drive faster than 20 miles an hour. Whereas on that road, the road, the speed limit is 40 and I'm at ready at 38. What do I do? I give her grace and let her keep going on her own journey. And I go on my own journey. I don't get out of my car and tell her, you are not driving fast enough. You should move quickly. I, I don't do that. Yeah. And if I don't do that, even in such a practical sense, why should I do it in my relationship? It is why you give grace. Let people move at their own pace. It's different if the person isn't growing at all and is unwilling to grow. That's a different conversation and most likely a counseling session conversation. <laughs> because if the person is unwilling to grow and you've said everything that there needs to be said, then you probably need a neutral person to help the person see why the, the position and the posture they have taken is not working. But everybody is responsible for their personal growth. Give grace for letting everybody do that. Amen. Amen. Um, so the last question, you, the next, you, you talked about adult conversation and <laughs> let's be practical. So I liked it. I like that a lot. What advice do you have um, for nurturing intimacy, romance, and connection for married couples, especially newlyweds? Because, you know, the excitement in, at the initial stage is always, you know, and later on, there's always this little ticks and whatever that, you know, even in just dating, being, I'm not married yet, even just, you know, the whole dating process and how that whole thing seems to like, you know, slightly, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. How do we do it? There's a lot of intentionality. You have to be intentional about it. Romance doesn't just happen. There are people that are more romantic than others, but romance doesn't just happen. Intimacy doesn't just happen. And intimacy involves vulnerability. It involves taking, showing another person parts of you that you might not have shown anybody else. So there's, there's vulnerability, vulnerability involved in intimacy. But more than anything else, intentionality is needed. So that means that as a married couple, you're going to be intentional about learning how to grow your intimacy. You're going to be intentional about when you learn how to grow your intimacy, you're going to apply what you learn in growing your intimacy. In growing your intimacy, you're going to be willing to try different ways to become intimate. And I don't just mean sexual intimacy now. I mean intimacy in its entirety. You will need to try to see what works for both of you as a couple. Remember that this is about both of you. It's not about just one person. So when it comes to even intimacy and growing close and, you know, my husband is not as romantic as I am, but he's growing on the journey and he's making the effort. And when somebody makes an effort about something that is not even their natural space, encourage them, thank them, 
show them that you appreciate it. These are the kind of things that help it to grow even more. Because imagine every time my daughter comes to me and says, mommy, I love you so much. And I say to her, oh, Arabella, you're doing so well. Guess what? She blooms right in front of my eyes. It's almost like as if she said, I want to show you that I can do it. I want to show you that, you know, the thing you said, I'm doing more of it. It's really important to encourage people when they are making an effort in your relationship. But I also say, go on things together that encourage your intimacy. One of the things that happens as you get married, and especially over the years, is that life happens. You start having children. Life becomes busier. You have careers. You have businesses. You have ministries. Whatever it is, you have your volunteering opportunities. You have personal development and personal growth. Can you see our lives become fuller and fuller every single day? For you to grow a relationship that's intimate, you have to almost say, in the midst of that, I'm going to assign X number of hours or X amount of time or specific times of the year when we go away. For example, my husband and I, consistently have tried to go away to our church's couples retreats. Even if we don't go away on holiday that year, we always make the effort that at this point in the year, there is a four day weekend that we're going to have where it's going to be about just both of us. Those are the things that build intimacy. It's, and you know, the, the people who organize it, the marriage ministry that organizes it, they keep saying to you, even the reason why we do this retreat is so you can actually focus on each other. But don't just do it once a year. Set aside time regularly to do it. Have regular date nights. And it's not going to always be easy, especially once you start having children. Hence why intentionality comes in, where you're going to say, okay, how are we going to make it happen? Okay, if we can't leave the house because maybe we can't afford to get a babysitter or we don't have any extra help, can we have an hour together after the kids go to bed. There is intentionality even behind that. Oh, we can't go to the cinema. Can we bring the cinema to ourselves? Can we put on a film on Netflix and grab some popcorn and a drink? You know, there are ways around these things to ensure that you keep doing these activities that build intimacy and then learn, make the effort to learn how to, because something I said to a group of women yesterday was, you don't become a wife because you got married. You become a wife on the journey to marriage by what Mm. you know and what you are doing. And that really matters even after you get married. So intentionality is key. You know, thinking of each other is key. And growing, personally growing in that area of intimacy is also key. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson, the famous um, clinical um, Canadian clinical psychologist, he has, I'm going to actually butcher this, I'm very sure, but he has <laughs> something along, he has something along the lines of um, for couples to actually stay married long term, they have to have three hours, three to three to two hours in a week where they actually catch up on each other's lives. Like, and they have to make space for intimacy, romance, at least three to two times in a week. Like it should be like a job, make it boring to the points whereby yes. it gets exciting. Yes. Like make it, it is mandatory. Like we're going to have days whereby even if you don't feel like it or I don't feel like it, we're going to do it. Yes. Like we'll do it. Like no matter what happens, we're going to do it. And oh, I'm not going to get excited. Get excited because he said, what other things do you have 
that would, that's going to keep your relationship together. But by the time you start abandoning romance to the point like, oh, we're both tired or what? Oh, this week has been hectic or whatever. You, you said you're going to go one month without catching up on each other's lives and knowing what is actually going on with this person. And before you know it, it's going to be six months and you're going to go five years and realize that you're living with it with, with a total stranger. Yeah. In order for that not to happen, you have to have three hours in a week where you actually catch up on each other's lives. Like, tell me what is actually going on at work with the kids, anything. Just tell me because we grow as individuals. Like you said something, our lives become fuller with each passing day. So those things need to be constantly communicated and we need to know we are actually on the same path at the same time and we're actually on the same page. So yeah. Um, so um, as we round up this conversation, is there anything else you would like to like leave us with? Maybe any question I didn't ask or anything you just feel you need to get off your chest, um, you know, as we round up the conversation? I think that to build relationships, you have to be intentional you have to be willing to adjust where adjustments need to be made. And you have to be willing to course correct where you find that you have gone off the wrong path. I think mm. that if you do these three things, you are on your way to experiencing the best kind of relationship. So try them. Thank you very much. Um, so um, how can people actually um, find your book? Like people who have listened to this podcast and are very interested, you know, um, you know, supporting you in any way, shape or form. How can they actually find your book? Where can they find it and order it? Okay, so you can get my book either on um, Amazon. It's available on Amazon worldwide. It's also available on Kindle. And if you are based in Nigeria, it's it's available on Roving Heights, so you can order it off Roving Heights. If you're based in like somewhere like Ghana, you can order it from Nigeria and it will be delivered to you because I know that it has been delivered to Ghana for those that couldn't access Amazon from Ghana. So it's definitely available in most online retailers, yes. Great. So um, what about people who want to like, you know, take your coaching classes or your teaching classes? Permit me, let me get that right. <laughs> You know, people who feel like they can actually um, get more value from you from a one-on-one -on -one session or joining your classes and the rest of it, how can they actually find and become a member? So they can um, sign up to join my email community because my email community always hears when I'm running a class. They are usually the first to hear when I'm doing anything. They can also come and join my community. So that's a a standalone waiting gracefully community, a community for women who are waiting to get married. And, you know, that is hosted online. Although we sometimes have in-person retreats. Those are starting at the end of this year. Um, so they can come to me, either join my email list and, you know, hear when a program is opening up, a masterclass is happening, or they can come and join my community, which is running throughout the year. That one, it, it runs for 12 months. Um, across the whole year so they can come and join in that way or they can find me on social media and start there you know sometimes you need to see what a person is like before you get up close and personal with them so you know come and find me on social media find me on instagram let me know that you listened to this episode and you know tell me what you got out of it I'll, i love having conversations with people yeah so first things first Adam, the name of the book is waiting gracefully um yes. we didn't say that so people can actually um but i would leave links to it attached it to this episode um the amazon link and the kindle link and the nigerian link please i'll need you to send that to me yes, I will. so that I, would, I can attach it to that so that's that and you're talking about people joining your email list and the rest of it um the easiest way to actually find those links will be finding you on social media right like yes. instagram twitter and the rest of it so what's like the instagram handle 
Odo for people. It's at Pomi Odua. So it's just my name, Pomi Odua. If you search for me, you'll find my Instagram page and you'll find it on Facebook as well and as well as on Twitter and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, okay. I'm going to attach all those links to this episode so people can easily just click on them. You know, sometimes we are very lazy. Um, <laughs> even me, myself, like sometimes when I listen to something and I don't see a link to easily click on, um, I might just forget or I'll be like, yeah. I might be caught up in the conversation too much. So we'll just leave links to that to make it very easily um, easily accessible. So once again, thank you very much for coming on the podcast again. You are like, <laughs> I think... Okay, you are the second person I'm saying again to. I think the first person is Anuji Dejo, and um, you are the you're the you're the second person we're having who's a previous guest. I'm I'm looking forward to us doing more of this in the future around maybe any specific topic or just honing on something in particular. And if you ever feel like you need to get something off your chest or you have some words of advice, encouragement, or you know some teachings to do, you are always welcome on our platform, and we'll Thank gladly you. yeah make time for you and you know have you on thank you very much once thank more you. and um, thank you so much yeah do take care of yourself and enjoy the rest of your day I thank you very much for listening to this conversation to support this podcast please like share leave a comment or review and follow us on instagram and twitter at pierce underscore arena thank you once more